pray together. God, thank you for your goodness. Thanks for the chance to be in your church, the house that you are building. We praise you for that. But God, we also recognize that we are wasting our time if you don't show up. So Father, we pray with Isaiah, the words of Isaiah, we just pray that you would tear open the heavens and come down. That Holy Spirit, you would speak through your word, that you would change us. We're thankful for Jesus this morning through whom all of this is possible. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter 3 with me. We are going to start in the end of Galatians 3, and then we're going to make our way into Galatians chapter 4. If you're a guest of ours, we have been in a series on the book of Galatians. And over the past two weeks, we've been talking about this doctrine called justification. And justification is is simply uh, this, that Jesus has made us right with God, that Jesus has made us right with God. And um, as you come to Galatians chapter three, towards the end, what we are given this um, reminder, but also this theological treatise, this glorious, incredible truth about justification, and then that's going to lead us into uh, what I really want to get to today, but uh, let's start in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, all right, this glorious statement, if, uh, if you're new to the Bible, kind of what's happening here is uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, who maybe you've heard of, St. Paul, I don't know how you grew up, but however you've heard of it, but uh, he was uh, Saul at first, and he was basically, for lack of a better term, he was a terrorist. He was ISIS back in the day. He was killing Christians and felt like he was doing that for the glory of God. And then gloriously in a Bible story on the road to Damascus, it's in the book of Acts if you want to read it. But God miraculously comes and rescues Saul, changes him into Paul, and sets him on a trajectory to where he literally becomes uh, a hero of our faith. And he wrote a lot of our New Testament, and he writes this particular book of the Bible to a region of churches. So it's a region in the ancient uh, Middle East world called Galatia. And he's writing to these churches, and what's cool about that is uh, these truths, 2,000 years later, still apply to you and I. And so that's the setting here. He's writing to these people about what is most important. And here's what he says in verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. The word sons there is very important. There are some translations that have moved into translating the word sons as sons and daughters. Most of the time that's super appropriate. 
and is a good thing. However, in this text, in this instance, it is sons of God for a very important reason. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want you to just tuck that away for a second. Go to verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. And then keep going in verse 1 of chapter 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And I want to pause there. And where, where I want to start with you, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Can we say that? Happy Thanksgiving. I always like to be the first person to say it to you. Go the week ahead of time. But what we're really talking about in this section is first thing in your notes, if you're taking notes, we have these cool journals. You can get them at the front or back at Info Central Redeemer journals. Uh, if you are a note taker, today is your day. All right? I've got a full sheet of blanks for you. So if you're type A, you've got to stick with us. All right? You don't want to miss a blank. That's always a problem for some of you. But uh, they'll be on the screen so you can fill them in. If you have a smartphone uh, and have the YouVersion Bible app, you can go under Events and you can find these notes there and take them that way. So either way, but we have a lot to cover, and it's all really, really good. But the first thing you're going to see there, and as we consider the text we just read, is this truth. The most important doctrine in the Christian faith is justification. It's the most important doctrine in the Christian faith is justification. And I say that because there's some realities that justification brings, right? That in Jesus, you've been made right with God. Okay, what is implied there? That A, there is a problem. That you are a sinner. And if this is your first time in church or the first time in church in a while, nobody's ever told you you're a sinner, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> I know that might be offensive, but here's the reality. Until you hear the bad news, you can never get to the good news. We need to know who we are to be able to become who God has called us to be. And so uh, justification is the most important doctrine because it's the place where the gospel comes to your life and changes you. The fact that Jesus went to this earth on that first Christmas, well, technically it was probably in July, but, you know, who's keeping track, all right? But uh, where we celebrate on Christmas the, bi- the baby Jesus, God incarnate, God coming to flesh, living the life that you and I were supposed to live perfectly. He lived it for us. And then he died on the cross as a propitiation, a substitute, an atonement for your sin and mine. And then he was buried and rose three days later to provide life for you. That's the gospel. And in that, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you are 
made right with God, that, that issue, that cosmic problem is solved. And you're made right with God. You are clothed in Christ. But there are some realities that that does for you. The first one is this, that your justification comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Here, here is a glorious thing about the gospel and the fact that your faith in Jesus secures so much because one of the roles that God the Father has is that He is judge. Right? Jesus said when He was walking on earth, be perfect because I am perfect. And I'll ask you again like I did last week, how's that going for you? It's not, right? And so what we've talked about over the past few weeks is that God gave us his law to be held up in front of us. The do's and don'ts of this book get held up in front of us so that you are never confused by the fact that you are in desperate need for Jesus. But when we come to that reality, we recognize that in our sin, we stand condemned before a holy judge. And before you think that God's just an ogre in the sky, here's what's so glorious about that. We have this judge in God. However, the God who makes those demands is the same God who meets those demands when he sends his only son into the world to substitute for you and pay the penalty for your sin and mine. That's the difference, is that we have this holy judge but this holy judge is also a loving father who when he saw you in your need didn't leave you there but came for you god the father is doing something new in christ some of the reformers 500 years ago when really the the scripture and the preaching of the word of god was recovered uh, two of those giants were luther and calvin and Luther said that this doctrine is the one that the church stands and falls on. It is the most important doctrine of our faith. Calvin said this is the hinge on which everything in your faith turns. Why is that true? Because if you aren't right with God, you have a serious problem. You have an eternal problem. You see, because for those of us that have faith in Jesus, this life is as close to hell as you will ever come. And for those who are not in Christ, who choose to do it their own way and live their own life, this life is as close to heaven as you will ever come. And it's eternally significant. But the beauty of that is that through simple faith in Jesus, your eternity can be changed forever. That this God who judges sin and who is angered by sin is also the God who made a way for you to be free from your sin and to be made right with Him. That's the first thing. Justification comes through faith and that faith is so profound because of what God is doing in Christ. But the second thing there in your notes under that is that justification clothes us in Christ. There, there's these theological categories. I'm going to take you to seminary class with me for a minute, okay? Is that all right with you? But where, where 
at the beginning of creation, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam and Eve represent all of humanity for all of time, and in that moment when they choose to sin and they choose to do things their own way, the curse of death and the curse of that comes to all mankind. And then, can we just be honest? Sometimes you just think, like, why do I have to suffer for that guy's choice? Why do I suffer for her choice? Right? But, but here's the reality is that they were representative of all of us because we all would choose our own way, wouldn't we? We all are choosing our own way so frequently. But here's what's so beautiful about what this text says. It says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So there's some debate about whether that baptism is talking about water baptism or whether it's the spirit baptism. But either way, the, the, the point remains the same. That for those who are in Christ, who are confessing Christ as Lord, who have uh, been saved by His grace, the fact remains that you are clothed in Christ. Why is that so important? Because when God the Father looks down on your life, He does not see your sin. He does not see your failures. He does not see your shortcomings. He sees Christ. And he sees Christ's righteousness. Clothing you. It's an incredibly important part of our faith. So essentially, the old Adam, the old you, the Adam of humanity is removed and Christ is given Jesus is the greater Adam for you. And so because of that, it moves into some really practical benefits, right? The next thing there we see in Galatians is that justification removes all the barriers from unity. When we look around our world, we have serious and significant problems as a human race, do we not? We, we can't see eye to eye on something like abortion. We can't see eye to eye on something like racism. We can't see eye to eye on you name it. We have problems all over the place. But what does the gospel do? What does Christ do? In Christ, we do not become blind to our differences, but rather we become appreciative of our differences. We are literally one body in Christ who is able to take our preferences and set them aside for the good of our neighbor. It's an amazing thing. And there's, in this text, I told you that the word sons is really important. See, in that culture, women couldn't vote. They couldn't do much of anything. They were really second-class citizens. And in this And in this declaration, it was a scandalous declaration for that time that that whether you were a slave or a Gentile or a woman, you were given the rights of a son of God. That you in Christ were no different than any other man was in Christ. Racial, social, all of those things. God was doing something new in Christ. He was removing barriers. And church, we today are to be about removing those barriers. You play a role in your world of removing those barriers. And we get to do that in Christ. 
And then finally, justification. The last thing there in your notes on justification is that justification brings us the rights of a son. You cannot merit them or earn them. By definition, it is given and received. When a child is born into a family, they didn't choose that. When the firstborn son in that culture was born into a family, he didn't choose that. He was just given all the rights of a firstborn son. He would inherit all of his father's wealth, all of his father's things. And he would be given the responsibility to take care of the family. And what justification does for you is it brings you into the fold and gives you the rights of a firstborn son. Now, justification is the most important doctrine in the Christian faith. But what I want that to lead us into is this next thought. And it comes out of Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Read it with me. Here's what it says. But, so we we talked about all those things, and it leads into this. But, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born unto the law, under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. That's justification. Then what's He say? So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, justification is the most important doctrine in your Christian faith. But what I want you to know today, and the next thing in your notes, is that the most precious doctrine in the Christian faith, is adoption. You see, because justification legally makes you right with God. It's the, it's the propitiation for your sins, the atonement, the appeasing of God's wrath. But there's a difference between being made legally a son and experiencing the love of a son. There's a difference Adoption is a precious thing. You see, the adoption process is challenging on a lot of levels. We got to go through the adoption process and bring that guy right there into our family. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking about you. (laughs) He's giving me the eyes. One of the most challenging things about adoption is when other people talk about adoption. Because there's some things about adoption that don't always make sense to you unless you've walked through adoption. There, there are natural questions that people who haven't walked through adoption want to know. And I want to answer those questions for you today. One of the things, one of the first things that was said to my wife, I think in a grocery store, uh, by somebody who saw our little multicultural family walking around, uh, was, oh, do you have any children of your own? Newsflash, when you are adopted, you are our own. You are our own. 
Another question we got was, how will you handle his heritage? We teach him about his heritage. So, well, he, when he was adopted, he was given a heritage. He comes from a line of preachers now. He has a grandfather who, got a World War, who was in World War II and got a Purple Heart. He has a grandfather who uh, loves him and cares for him. He's got parents who love him and care for him. He, he, he was given all of the rights of a son. His heritage is a son of the Coons. Forever. He's not a partial Coon. He's all Coon. And he's even starting to take all my traits. Not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> Adoption, in other words, is not a consolation prize. You see, because for our family, we could conceive and we still chose to adopt. Why? Because both are wondrous and miraculous. But why do I say all that? Why do I bring that up? Why do I, why do I bring those tangible things up? Do I bring that up because what happens in this text is that adoption brings, adoption into the family of God brings some important realities to your life every day that you live. That being adopted into the family of God does some things in your life that will forever change the way you look at life. The first one is this. Adoption brings us the love of a father. The love of a father. You see, because God is not only the judge, but he is a loving father. I love this concept that adoption requires that someone come at the right time. Literally for our son, for Malachi, we came at just the right time. There were medical reasons and other reasons that it was literally at the right time. And here's what spiritually God says about you. Romans 5, 6 says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our sin. And Christ made us alive. Right here in our, in our passage today, in Galatians 4, 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. When you were unlovable, dead in your sin, Christ came for you literally had you in mind. That's an awesome thing. Isn't it? We didn't deserve that. There's a second thing that happens is adoption brings us the Holy Spirit. That when you're adopted into the family of God, you're given the Spirit of God. That verse there um, in chapter 4, verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. How do you know that you're in the family of God? Because the spirit of God speaking into your heart that you are a child of God. What an awesome thing. I just made a quick list off the top of my head while I was studying this week of just things that the Holy Spirit does for you. 
The Holy Spirit is a comforter for you, 2 Corinthians 1. He's a helper for you, John 14, 26. He's a teacher, John 14. He brings you peace, John 14. He brings you hope, Colossians chapter 1. He is your advocate before the judge, the Father, 1 John chapter 2. He tells you the truth, John 14. He gives you union with God, John 14. He's your power to witness, Acts chapter 1. He gives you the power to live this life in a godly way, 2 Peter chapter 1. How about this one? He's the song in your heart, Ephesians chapter 5. That's an awesome thing. Ephesians chapter 3, he offers you this ability to live this miraculous kingdom life beyond your wildest expectations. And he is the revealer of things to you that you would never have known, like you are a child of God. Wow. Adoption brings us the Holy Spirit. God's presence in your life all day, every day, forever. It's mind-blowing to these people that were being written to in this region of Galatia because they were transitioned out of this period where the law was everything and it was all riding on your shoulders to now this glorious truth that you've been adopted into the family of God and given all the rights that come with it, which brings us to number three. Adoption changes our status. Changes our status. Don't you just love verse seven? No longer a slave, but a son. It's Thanksgiving week, right? Wouldn't it be true that we would have plenty to be thankful for if we were just in? Like if the legal justification part just got us in, I will thankfully serve as a slave of God. I would, I would thankfully get on that bus just to be in. But that's not all God did. It's not all God did. God made you not just a slave, but a son. You don't have to work for anything. It's just yours it's just yours and before that scares you when you have a good relationship with a loving father it makes you want to please your father so it's not that we don't obey but the the motivation for obedience becomes so sweet and so good because when i know that i would have given everything just to get in as a slave but i've been grafted in as a son adopted in as a son it changes everything Changes everything that I see in my life. Martin Luther said this. He said, exposed and bare in our sin. Christianity is a religion that does not start at the top, but starts at the bottom. Left to ourselves, there's nowhere else to go. We're at the bottom. But we're adopted into the family of God and taken to the top. What an awesome thing. We're no longer slaves to sin and death, but alive as sons of God with all the rights of being a son. When Malachi came into the coon house, he immediately had all the rights of a son. He had health care and food and clothing and toys and education, a bed, a haircut, personal hygiene, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and whatever else he needed because he was my son. It's an amazing thing. And what's beautiful about that is he didn't pick me. (laughs) We picked him. He didn't know who I was. He couldn't even speak to me when we met him. 
But now he's a coon. And he's starting to act like one. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's glorious. And it's a miracle. Adoption reminds us that we're in. That we're in. And like Malachi, never to be turned out. Malachi's a coon. And if you are confessing Jesus as Lord, you're a Christian, a child of the King, gloriously and miraculously saved by the grace of God, changes everything and brings us to number four and the final thing. Adoption changes our heritage. If a son, verse 7, then an heir. You see, your inheritance is totally different. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Our inheritance is totally different. We, we, we exchange the horrors of an eternity in hell apart from God for the glories of a relationship with a loving Father for the rest of eternity. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? (laughs) If a son, then an heir. Adoption is the most precious doctrine in your Christian faith. Amen? It's only one way that I know how to celebrate that, and that's to sing a song, right? To just sing. And so I want you to invite, I want to invite you to stand with me, and Ben's just going to lead us in a song. It'll be a little slower, a little more thoughtful, but let me encourage you to just close your eyes and sing. If you want to grab somebody and pray, Go for it. Whatever the appropriate response of worship in your heart is, you should do it. Because we've been adopted into the family of God. Don't ever let that slip past you. The glory, the miracle of God saving sinners like you and me. What an awesome thing. So let's just take this moment as a church family and worship God.